You're listening to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. Knowledge, techniques, and inspiration for your teaching and your practice. I'm your host, Mado Hesselink. If you're a yoga teacher who loves learning, is passionate about spreading the benefits of yoga, and desires more resources to support your teaching, you're in the right place. Let's get started with today's episode. Okay, true confession. I used to be a major procrastinator. And while I always had a ton of ideas, I lacked the ability to follow through and actually turn those ideas into reality. This was such a significant pattern for me that I used to think of it as a personality trait. I would tell people, I have a lot of creative ideas. I love to start projects, but I lack follow through. Turns out that is actually not true about me. I was just missing an important skill set. When I learned how to manage my time and organize my tasks, it was a turning point for me that changed the yoga teacher resource from a good idea, maybe even a great idea that I worked on sporadically into a thriving and sustainable business that I love showing up for every single day. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are extremely high that you are a householder practitioner of yoga. You practice and teach yoga as you nourish your family navigate relationships, build your business, etc., etc. This basically means you're living in a paradox. Your yoga practice invites you inward to the place where you're whole and you don't need anything. And the external world at the same time is pulling your attention to tasks that need to be done, problems that need to be solved, and people who want or need things from you. The culture we live in sends all kinds of messages, both subtle and overt, about our value being tied to how much we produce. If we buy into that story, then yoga becomes valuable only if it makes us more productive. However, as yoga practitioners, let's come to productivity from the opposite perspective. We know that we're already whole. We're already worthy. We're already complete at our essence. By learning some skillful ways of moving through this world, we can find a better balance inside this paradox of being a modern yoga practitioner. The purpose of productivity in this case is to free up time and mental energy to give us pockets where we're not trying to accomplish anything. Time to feel, explore, listen, and connect. It's about being able to relax more deeply because you know you haven't forgotten anything. It's about doing better and more fulfilling work instead of always putting out fires. It's about setting yourself up to spend more of your life doing things that you love and less time slogging through obligations. In short, it's about living more skillfully. And that is in beautiful alignment with the goals of yoga. That's why I invited today's guest, Renee Clare, to share her top five tips to help you optimize productivity and time management. Renee is a productivity consultant for wellness entrepreneurs, as well as a yoga and meditation teacher. She specializes in process, project, and change management, which often includes helping wellness entrepreneurs and yoga teachers with recruiting, training, automation, and time management. Renee holds a master's degree in industrial and organizational psychology, 
as well as a 200-hour yoga teacher certification. As a fellow yoga teacher, Renee's approach to productivity is very much in alignment with the goals and practices of yoga. Some of her tips may surprise you, but I think if you give them a try, you'll be delighted by the results. So let's begin the conversation and I'll see you on the other side. Renee, welcome to the Yoga Teacher Resource Podcast. As you know, time management is definitely something I'm very passionate about, and I know you're passionate about it too. So thank you for taking the time to be on here today. Thank you, Mado. It's always an honor to work with you. And I just love that we share productivity and time management like in common. Time management is the cornerstone of my business right now. So I'm a geek for it. And I love tying it in with um, our yogic way of life. It's exciting. And it's not intuitive or maybe not so common. Like I think a lot of people in the yoga world, they found their way there because they wanted to do things differently. And what I found coming full circle is like, oh, actually the business world has a lot to offer too, that throwing away this entire side of life or this entire side of how to live in the world is no better than saying, oh, wellness is terrible, like wellness is worthless or, you know, it's all about money. So let's start with something about your personal story. If you're willing to share a bit about why you became passionate about this topic. Ooh, yes. All right. Everybody get your tissue. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> so my, my background's interesting. I have a master's in industrial and organiza- organizational psychology, which means I study human behavior for a living, you know, and I, I started to study my behavior and my mind even more when I started practicing yoga regularly back in 2010. And 2014, I had a lot of anxiety work. I was so stressed out with work and I had gotten engaged. And at that same time I got laid off and we decided we were moving to California. So I, I picked up everything I knew and moved to California. And the only thing I knew at that time was that I wanted to be a yoga teacher. I wanted to start my own business somehow, some way. And I fell in love with yoga. However, I took on a full-time job, was teaching five yoga classes, um, mostly beginning yoga, sometimes meditation in the morning, and then I'll have to level one and two in the evenings. I started to burn out majorly. And I, I had so much on my plate. I, I had a full social life. I was trying to make friends and trying to do, to feel like enough by doing everything that I could at work, but I was double and triple booking myself inside and outside of my day job and my marriage was falling apart. So I headed to therapy and my therapist actually said, Renee, it's, it's time for you to to do what you do best. It's time for you to buy a paper planner and write your schedule out. Cause I, she was like, everything that you're telling me that you're doing, Renee, I'm getting tired just listening. And I'm like, what? I was like, no, I'm not doing that much. So my first paper planner, I wrote everything down to see how I was actually using my time. And my time was spent from when I woke up to when I went to bed, dedicated to others and what everybody else was doing. And I realized I wasn't eating, sleeping or moving, even though I was doing my yoga teacher training, even though I was teaching all my yoga classes, I wasn't doing those things intrinsically for me. 
So the first thing I did was revamp my whole schedule and I took as much as I could off of my plate and I put my three priorities, literally you guys had nothing to do with work. I made sure my first priority was to eat, second priority to move, whether it's walking or doing yoga. And my third one was to sleep, to make sure I was actually getting eight hours of sleep. So that was like the first you know, conjuncture of my, my life where I started moving things in the direction that I wanted to. And then I later discovered time blocking after my divorce and started to like really hone in on what it was that I was doing and when to see if I could challenge myself. How can I make my life even better than what it is now with these changes that I'm making? So that's, that's the initial onset. (laughs) That's awesome. And it sounds like it's really about time management as self-care, which I know feeds right into the five tips. So maybe we can jump right into tip number one. Yeah. So you guys, (laughs) the first tip, as she just said, is self-care first. I think it's so important when you're looking at your time that you're figuring out how you want to spend your time, what you want to do, what will make your life worth living right now, not later, not when you retire, not when you make, you know, six, seven figures, but right now, what are the things that you can do to take care of yourself so you have energy to actually enjoy the life you're living right now? So uh, things that I encourage people to look into are your morning routine, right, Mado? <laughs> and your evening routine, how you're winding down and looking at, you know, when, when do you spend time like exercising or moving or when is your lunch hour? I know so many of us skip our lunch hour or we don't take a break during the day, but it's really important to give your mind a break during the day so it can really recharge and reset and accumulate all the information you're putting in it so you can keep going throughout your day and be productive, right? But not only that, self-care first actually includes spending time with your loved ones, right? So I love helping people plan out and do time management and schedule like a date night with their partner or one-to-one time with their kiddos. I've seen people's lives just change by just doing that one simple thing. It's so cool. So tip number one, self-care first. I love that. As you know, as a podcast listener, every time at the end of each podcast, we talk a little bit about self-care and I check in with what are you doing for self-care this week? So I love that you start with that. That really puts it in the right order of priority. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) So let's move into tip number two. Tip number two starts to kind of hone in everything a little and give it a little more structure, which is to create your ideal schedule. So when do you want to ideally be waking up in the morning? I work with so many people that wake up late and they're like, oh, I know if I just woke up at five or six, I could really have this luscious, like beautiful, low-key morning. Or if I just went to bed at like 10 or 9 p.m., I'm the nerd who goes to sleep at 10, everybody, that I know I could get my eight hours of sleep that, that I need to, to have the energy to show up and, and really be there for others. But not only that, I like to ask questions around 
when is the best time for you to work with others? When is your, you know, head on straight so you can actually communicate well with others? Some people love working with people in the morning. I am not one of those people. That's why I do everything in the afternoon, Madame. <laughs> so if you've worked with me before, or if you sign up with me, you'll see my schedule is only in the afternoon to work with people because I can speak more clearly. My thoughts come together. I'm just in my flow which is such a cool book, everybody. And then when do you like to work independently? So that's when you want to maybe not talk, but you know you can get like things done like your marketing tasks or sales tasks or think strategically. So for a lot of us who are creatives, we're writing, we're planning our yoga classes, we're planning our podcasts like Mado. So you need that quiet time so you can just put all your energy down. And so tip number two is plan your ideal schedule. And I think it's really important that when we think about creating our ideal schedule, we recognize that we're not going to live our ideal schedule every single day, every single week or day, but that starting with an idea of what is ideal allows us to get closer to that than if we didn't think about that in the first place. Yes. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that. Because I think when we think of the ideal schedule and if we're not getting there, we tend to beat ourselves up intrinsically, but it's more about striving for that or making the moves now towards whatever that is. And maybe we'll never get there, but at least we're on the path. Just like when we practice meditation, right? Sometimes we have that chitta and we can't stop thinking, <laughs> but it's the actions and the habits that we're setting that will eventually take us to that inner peace that we're looking for down the road. Exactly. And the other thing is that starting with a framework that is complete and changing that framework to reflect the realities of the current week is much easier than starting from scratch every single time. Yes. So we have this framework and it's the place to start. And then we can actually plan our week much more quickly mm -hmm. when we're not starting from scratch. Yes. So one thing I definitely encourage clients to do is just to look at their, their current schedule, their realistic schedule. And if they feel just overwhelmed trying to make the moves to go to their ideal schedule, just to look and change one thing, one thing at a time whether it's getting up early, 15 minutes earlier or something like that, or making sure to schedule a partner a kiddo date during your week, just let that one thing guide you and then see what happens. It's kind of like the snowball effect, right? Yeah, I love that. That's perfect. Okay, so that is tip number two. What's tip number three? This one's a really tough one. And I know you and I have talked about it before. <laughs> And it's something I still continuously strive for because sometimes I, I find that <clears throat> I don't always do this, but it's something that I personally strive for. So it's taking two consecutive days off from your work tests, from your work tests. It would be nice if we could take two consecutive days off and like ditch the family and go off on a beach vacation. But, you know, we still have the reality of, of life. So the reason why I suggest trying to take two consecutive days off are there are so many people who work on, on their weekends or work seven days a week and they're always doing something. And I've noticed that that anxiety that we carry around with trying to remember everything in our head, it never gets to dissipate. You know, we never get a chance to reset and relax, you know. So it's like, it's like taking that Shavasana, right? But for our lives, we need that break to just relax, let it go, give to our higher source or, you know, if, if you believe in a higher power, but um, the two consecutive days off again, when you're able to rest your mind, you can be more productive. Your, your mind needs time to assimilate all the information you put into it. 
So that one's a little tough. And so encourage people maybe to start off taking half a day or taking one day, you know, and if you realize one weekend, you're like, you know what, I'm going to work this weekend, then let it be something you're empowering yourself to do rather than letting it be the rule. Let it be the exception. So what it sounds like is creating some boundaries around when you do and don't work. So I know that for many parents, it might not be possible to take weekends off because you're switching back and forth. Just recognizing that everybody's situation is different. We even have single parents listening who they're like, yeah, you know, I'm never off of the childcare. I got to take the childcare where the childcare is. Um, that you just look at your own situation and you decide what boundaries are realistic for me to set, what boundaries are kind to myself for me to stick to. Like, you know, you don't have to be laying in bed at nine o'clock at night answering work emails. Mm -mm. No. Oh my gosh. I totally agree, Mado. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. Yes. It's all about boundaries with your time or figuring out where you can take that time. Like if you work at a restaurant, most likely you're going to make fukus of money on the weekend, but maybe see about during the week, you know, and if you can finagle your schedule or finesse it. Um, I was working every day. I was teaching as a Saturday class for years and I loved my Saturday class, but I started to slowly realize I was always tired. And I, when I would teach wine and yoga on like Sundays, but, um, so sometimes I, I just would never get a day off and I was exhausted. So I started teaching every other Saturday, you know, I just started to finagle my schedule and just test it out and see what was working in my favor and what wasn't and what I could give up and what I wasn't willing to give up. So that is really huge. And shout out to all the the parents out there holding it down during COVID for sure. Awesome. So we are, I think at tip number four. We are. So one of my favorite time management strategies that I love teaching to people is called time blocking. Time blocking is when you group chunks of time together to concentrate on a specific task or tasks. That's really hard to say with that S at the end. So what I've noticed when people come to me is either they've never tried time blocking or they already do it and time blocking isn't working for them. So what I encourage people to do for the most part is to try to chunk their time into bigger increments. I've noticed that around two to four hours really works for people, especially if you're, you know, a parent or maybe I have right now, I have a really sick dog. I need to have a large amount of time for a lot of interruptions. If I try to say, I'm going to get, you know, three things done in an hour, I'm I'm not going to be successful. And the only person that I end up like hurting is myself at that point, because I get that negative, those negative thoughts, right? So I've learned with the bigger amounts of time that you can have those distractions and you can take a break. You can stare out the window and just, or have your cup of tea for a moment and and relax while you're getting a lot done. Yeah. I find time blocking to be really helpful because it reduces task switching. And so you actually end up with the ability to go deeper and do deeper, more high quality work because you're not so distracted and and trying to do too much. So I think a lot of what this really points to is getting clear on what is most important and clearing off space and time to focus on what's actually gonna make the difference versus answering all those emails that maybe don't even actually need to be answered. 
Exactly. So here's, here's the bonus tip is setting your priorities for the week and each day. And one thing that I've, I've noticed people do right now is to set their, their big three priorities for the week and then make sure that your three daily priorities are fitting <laughs> into those top three. So when you're done with your week, you can really assess your week to make sure that you're accomplishing what you need to. And those don't have to be necessarily work. Those could actually be personal things too. And I actually encourage that, you know, um, I think right now, one of my top three for the week is to reduce my anxiety because I've had a lot with my dog being sick and getting diagnosed with Cushing's disease. So I am seeing what can I do? So tonight I signed up to take a really luscious yoga nidra class, but you know, it's important to check in with yourself. And here's another bonus tip Mateo, is noticing if you feel like your tasks get, aren't getting done, check in to see how much time you're actually spending on them. They might not be a task, they might be a project. And I've noticed for a lot of us, like we're, we're big thinkers and we wanna get a lot done, but we're not realizing the difference between a task, which takes roughly around an hour to do, no longer than a week, versus a project, which takes weeks to get done. And meaning weeks to get done because it's a that's accommodating for everything else that you're doing within your work and your personal life. Is that helpful? So helpful. I love that differentiating between tasks and projects. And I do think that you're absolutely right. I've been talking inside my membership about goal setting recently. We did a quarterly planning and goal setting session. And one of the biggest issues is that people set their milestones or their goals too big and they can't actually figure out how to get there because it's too big. So if you back it up a few steps and you say, okay, that one milestone, I know exactly what I need to do to get there. You break that down into tasks, which I now know should only take about an hour. <laughs> what if a task takes more than that? Well, you could say, okay, I'm going to chunk that up into three, right? 20 pages, 20 pages, 20 pages for a 60 page Gosh, I think 20 pages would take more than an hour, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? The point is that you really need to be able to visualize it in order to make it happen. Ooh, preach. Yes, love it. <laughs> so I love this. Thank you. And I think we have just one more tip left. One more tip. One more tip. Okay, the last one, which we both have been talking about, is using everything that we're talking about today as a structure for you to say no, no thank you, for you to set beautiful, better boundaries in your life. For most of us who are empaths, caretakers, we are used to accommodating and doing everything else in our life and our schedule for other people. And so that's where I found that, that my work really lies is saying, okay, we're not just time blocking so you can get a lot done. We are time blocking. We are doing all these beautiful things around time management and setting up processes and self-care, all of this so that you can have this nice structured life and say, this is what I will receive into my life. And this is what is not serving me right now. This is what I'm going to say no to because it doesn't you know, take me to my higher vibration, if you will. Like it doesn't, doesn't, it brings me down. Like you can start to tell the difference, which is so beautiful. And, and I'm really like honored to be able to guide people to, to help them differentiate that for themselves. And everybody's schedule, you guys, everybody's schedule is totally different. I've never worked with one person that had the same schedule. The, the other thing too, 
within that setting of the boundaries is understanding that your schedule will change, your time blocking schedule will change over time, whether it's a season, whether you've taken something new, like, like Mado's got all these beautiful things that she'll invite you to at the end of this episode. Um, it, like things change. And so her schedule will change and my schedule will change, but it's important to give ourselves room and even set a boundary for that. Like, Hey, this is, this is time for me to update my schedule because I'm feeling drained. I, I don't have the energy. The other thing that I think about when I think about boundaries is connection. That when we set boundaries early and clearly, we make space for deeper connections because we, first of all, we allow people to see us and see what our actual needs are. And secondly, we don't give of ourselves in a way that doesn't feel good, that doesn't feel safe. So by setting these clear boundaries and we can practice setting those boundaries with ourselves and then we get better at setting boundaries with other people. Mm -hmm. I do think that if you struggle with boundaries, you're going to struggle in both of these categories. You're going to struggle both setting boundaries with yourself and setting boundaries with others. And in the long run, I have found that some of the like sweetest, most wonderful people, I end up having some challenges because they weren't honest with me about what they actually felt good about saying yes to. That that no, that honest no makes room for the yes to be real and true and connected. Ah, I love that. Yes. Yes. I, it is, it's true that I think boundaries are really important to start with because usually we think of boundaries and putting up that wall with other people. Boundaries aren't a wall. It's this fluid means of communication, just as you're describing. And the best person to start communicating with and getting clear on is, is with our own selves. And so I can't agree with you more there, but I love that piece of connectivity. And also when we start to create boundaries, we might get pushback from others, but people crave that. People don't know and haven't been taught what boundaries look like. So the more that you get comfortable and, you know, have this beautiful way of setting a boundary that's, that feels right within yourself, people will start to honor that and actually take an example from you. You set the example, you paved the way and you continue to walk you know, your yogic way of living. So it's, it's, it's really twofold. And I'm really glad you said that. I love how many really helpful themes you have woven into these five tips, plus some of those bonus tips. Is there anything else that you would like to emphasize or add before we wrap up? I'm always asking people where they can save some time. A lot of the people that I work with, I think they, we, we stay in this limiting belief of, I don't have time or I need to make time. Well, we, we can't make time, <laughs> right? We only have 24 hours in a day. And of that, we're roughly asleep or resting for 12 of those. So our time is really finite. So it's, it's not so much about making time, but it's about choosing time and choosing the life that you want to lead. And within that, you know, if you switch to your left brain and get a little geeky with it, you can start to do things that will make your work and your life efficient. And, and that could be your personal life too. Um, for example, I, I know so many parents and, and single people too, who are now ordering in from, you know, those, those box order things with all the food so they can, they can make things at home. And that's a neat way to be productive if you have the budget for that. 
And on the flip side, I love finding and asking the question, how can you automate that? What can you do? How can you save yourself time? You know, how can you make things efficient inside, you know, your job, your, uh, your entrepreneurship and outside. So I'll leave you with that. Renee, if listeners want to find out more about you and find out about how to work with you, where should they go? Yeah, I, there's two places I would love for you guys to come find me. Uh, the first place is at my website and that is www.renee, which is R-E-N-E-E dash Claire, C-L-A-I-R.com. And if you head to my free resources tab, I have a cool link. And if you sign up for my newsletter, I will send you and gift you my time blocking guide, which is so cool. I have all my tips on there and more that we talked about today and an actual template for you to start finagling your schedule a little bit. And then my happy place on social media, it's the only one you guys, is on Instagram. So come visit me at the Productive WP and and message me. I will respond. It's me. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Renee. This was such a jam-packed conversation. I really appreciate it. And I know that my audience will too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mado. It's always a treat. I appreciate it. I love how almost all of Renee's tips are a little bit counterintuitive. I mean, start with self-care when you want to be productive. How brilliant is that? I'm so incredibly grateful that people are talking about self-care these days. I can't ever remember hearing that term growing up. But as a business owner and parent, it feels like burnout is always just right around the corner and I have to be vigilant about taking care of myself. I can't even imagine what a jerk I would be if I tried to do all of what I do without a commitment to self-care. By the way, if you haven't listened to my episode about self-care, I recommend that you do. I'll link to it in the show notes so it's easy to find, but you could also type yoga teacher resource self-care into your podcast player. So let's end with a self-care check-in as we usually do. On a scale of one to 10, how has your self-care been this past week? If it's less than an eight, What could you do in the next week to bump it up by at least a few points? Is there anything that you could take off your plate to make space or any less than healthy habit you could replace with something more nourishing? Is there anyone you could reach out to for support? Remember that we're social creatures and we weren't designed to do any of this alone. That's a big reason that I created the Impact Club as an ongoing membership rather than just teaching standalone courses which I also enjoy doing. I want to provide a container for yoga teachers to develop these supportive relationships with other humans who understand the practitioner-householder paradox. If you want to learn more about the Impact Club, go to teachingyoga.net slash impact. As always, thank you so very much for listening. It means so much to hear from you that this work is helping you become a better yoga teacher and making your teaching feel more sustainable. Teaching yoga is not the easiest path. I'm so grateful that you're here for your own growth and holding space for the growth of your students. That's all for this week. Come back next week for another episode of Knowledge, Techniques, and Inspiration for your teaching and your practice.